Blog Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Fake Radio, episode 46. I'm your host, Rich, and this is the show for Thursday, June 10th, 2010. Tonight's music was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury. The artist was Vertex Guy. If you'd like to download that or any of the other previous intro music that we've used, head over to ocremix.org, the letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Let's start things off with a little housekeeping. Um, the ads, you guys know the deal. Um, I will be adding new banners for some of the friends of the show, uh, VGN Radio, Born Stubborn Radio, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, things of that nature. You're going to start seeing banners like that. Um, I am going to go away slightly from the Google ads. While they are good, they're really not generating any revenue. I mean, I can do better just advertising other sites and other shows that are friends of my take radio so you will be seeing some changes to the ads in a few weeks in addition to that there will be of course the revamped mytakeradio.com it is currently under construction um, the new mytakeradio.com should probably probably be debuting towards the end of June first week of July um, there will be probably a couple of days of downtime there will also be hopefully the debut of a new forum you'll see that as well as the relaunch of my Take Radio version 3.0. In addition to that, um, forums, of course, mytakeradio.com slash forums. Um, great conversation in there. Definitely active over the last few weeks more so than usual by all means. If you are a member and haven't been by, you should just to continue to interact with fellow fans of the show and just to keep things and conversation moving uh, from one week to the next. There have been a ton of new posts done this week. I've been putting up a lot of stuff, especially with E3 around the corner. Um, I put a uh, video game, a couple of trailers up. DJ Hero 2's trailer went up, the E3 trailer for Splatterhouse. In addition to that, um, I also put up the trailer for the new Mortal Kombat, which I will be discussing, Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions E3 trailer. Also, I'm going to discuss the Mortal Kombat Rebirth film. You can check out the trailer. That's on MyTakeRadio.com. I also took a a couple of minutes and actually did a review on the Wolfman movie slash Blu-ray, so you can check that out and any of the other articles on MyTakeRadio.com. In addition to that, I was um, having some back-and-forth discussions with uh, Wizard Media, which actually runs Libsyn.com, which is one of the many resources I use to put the show up on iTunes. Um, If for any reason you can't get a show from Blog Talk Radio, just go to mytakeradio.com uh, slash mytakeradio, and you can get episodes from there as well. Um, basically, my discussions with them have been in regards to the potential 
uh, debut of a MyTake Radio app for the iTunes Store. Um, right now, there is some negotiations in regards to content and pricing, but I have a feeling I will be finalizing that within the next two weeks, and you should be able to see a MyTake Radio app on iTunes, um, preferably in the middle of July or early August. I will be discussing it with other staff members because there will be some things that will be required of them in order to um, help the app succeed. So you guys will be getting notifications within the next few weeks in reference to that, and you'll be able to catch that on iTunes as well. That's going to do it for housekeeping this week. A um, little rundown of tonight's topics. We're going to talk about the return of Seth Petrozelli to the UFC. We're going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter Season 12, as well as some of the coaches that are being discussed. In addition to that, we will talk about the finale of the Ultimate Fighter leading up to Ultimate Fight Night. I want to talk about Raw and NXT this week, which were surprisingly good. Um, in addition to that, I will discuss some of the titles that are going to be showcased at E3. I will be discussing the new Apple iPhone as well as what that means for gaming as a whole. I'm going to talk Marvel casting news. And, of, and here's a little teaser for you guys. What do DC Comics and the E! Entertainment Network have in common? Um, in addition to that, it does affect gaming. So I will be discussing that little tease in the movie segment. I'm more than sure that it will annoy some of you when you guys find out what it is. Nonetheless, with that being said, let's start with MMA first. As I said in the rundown, Seth Petrozelli tweeted recently that he will be uh, returning to the UFC to fight UFC newcomer Ricardo Romero. Um, for those of you not familiar with, not familiar with Seth Petrozelli, the silverback, he was the one who was brought in to Elite XC to fight Kimbo Slice when Ken Shamrock got injured. Um, it ended up being a complete clusterfuck because Petrozelli ended up winning and beating Kimbo Slice, and that just led to the downfall of Elite XC as a whole. Uh, there were rumors that Seth Petrozelli was told to stand with Kimbo. There were rumors of payoffs, throw in the fight, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Kimbo leaves the UFC, and the guy that beat him comes into the UFC. So it's really weird how that's going to go down. Petrozelli was a cast member on Season 2 of The Ultimate Fighter, he was 0-2 the last time he was in the, UN, in the UFC. Since then, he's gone 4-0, including, a for, of course, the 14-second victory over Kimbo Slice, which was the first loss of Kimbo Slice's career. He will be facing Ricardo Romero at UFC 116. Um, that's going to be Clash of the fucking Giants on July 3rd. Brock Lesnar, of course, is going to be fighting Shane Carwin on that card. Akiyama and Vanderlei, Matt Brown and Chris Lytle, Bonner and Szczynski 2, uh, Kurt Pellegrino and Sotaropoulos. Uh, Brendan Schaub and Chris Scherer and Kendall Grove and Goran Relic. I always mess up that guy's name. Uh, I think it's Relic, if I'm correct. Also on the preliminary card, like I said, Seth Petruzzelli and Ricardo Romero, John Madsen will be on that card, as will Gerald Harris. I actually think it's, it's interesting to see Petruzzelli back in after what happened with Kimbo Slice. It should be interesting to watch that develop. Um, Petruzzelli, he's a strange dude, but... It, you know, there's a lot of fanfare surrounding Ricardo Mare um, Romero. He is 10-1, and one, and, of course, Petrozelli, like I said, is on a four-fight. He's 4-0, four and oh, and it should – I really was surprised that they didn't go with a uh, preliminary card for Petrozelli and Romero. I mean, Romero is not a household name, but Petrozelli definitely gained a little bit of buzz, and I'm more than sure Spike TV wouldn't mind cramming in a third fight. Nonetheless, we're going to see how that pans out um, come July 3rd. 
in some other Ultimate Fighter news, I'm actually, you know what, let me open up with this week's Ultimate Fighter, as a matter of fact. Uh, this week's Ultimate Fighter was a uh, two-hour finale. Um, first off, the semifinal fights are three rounds. One of the middleweight semifinal was Brad Tavares. He was fighting Court McGee. Uh, definitely a, a fight that I enjoyed pretty much. Uh, there was a little bit of tentative uh, striking on the feet. Basically, Court McGee initiated the clinch. He got a takedown on Tavares, and then, uh, but Tavares got back up to his feet. Um, Court McGee definitely worked the takedowns in round one, but Tavares shrugged them off as well. Um, pretty much, not too much happened. There was a lot of back and forth, but nothing monumental. Definitely because of the aggression and the takedowns, I definitely think McGee ended up taking the first round. Round two, a um, little bit of back and forth as well. Uh, Tavares threw a leg kick, but uh, Tavares also stuffed another takedown. He worked his jab in that round. Um, definitely Court then decided to resort to working with leg kicks, but Tavares continued to stuff the takedown, so it was a, uh, I definitely feel that Tavares took the second. Then in the third, it ended up being um, Brad getting stumbled by a left hook, which allowed to, um, McGee to go in and land a takedown. He took the back and locked in the choke, and he ended up choking out Brad Tavares with about 20 seconds left in the third round. Nonetheless, great fight from both of those guys. The middleweight semifinal fight was Chris McRae um, from the Team Franklin now, fighting Josh Bryan from Team Liddell. Uh, McRae ended up winning the fight by unanimous decision. Um, I think that the inclusion of Rich Franklin it, towards the end of the season, I really felt it didn't really do anything per se in terms of adding any dramatic uh, changes to the season. I mean, definitely a little bit of helpful coaching, of course, but it's really strange because, of course, Rich Franklin ended it by saying that there would never been an undefeated coach in the Ultimate Fighter history and then uh, until now, and then, of course, he points at himself. Nonetheless, the finals are going to be Court McGee fighting Chris McRae for the Ultimate Fighter Season 11 middleweight finals. Overall, the season closed out um, like I said, the most climactic thing was Tito. Um, Jamie Yeager was very interesting as well just because of all the antics that surrounded him throughout the season. Overall, the season was solid. It just didn't jump out at me, like I said, in, in previous weeks in terms of excitement, but it was a good season. There were solid fights. There were great fighters in there, and I have a feeling that the finale is going to be good. Um, I like Court McGee, but I think McCray may be my pick to be the ultimate fighter. We'll see how that pans out when the finale happens in a few weeks. Moving on to Season 12 of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, season 12 will start September 15th on Spike TV. You're going to get 28 lightweight fighters. Your coaches are George Rush St. Pierre and Josh Koscheck. Um, right now, there's been a lot of discussions going back and forth on the web about the assistant coaches. Uh, GSP has John Danaher as his assistant coach, Phil Nurse. Uh, Scarba uh, Jean-Charles Skarbowski, Sean Williams, and Faraz Zahabi as his assistant coaches. Um, Koscheck ended up going with Dave Camarillo. Daniel Cormier joined Crazy Bob Cook, Teddy Lucio, and Javier Mendez. Definitely a, a who's who in the assistant coach rankings. I think that that's definitely going to be the great equalizer for this upcoming season. There's just going to be so much talent and um, definitely a lot of great coaching. In addition to that, GSP is also going to take the opportunity to to train for his fight. I'm a little hesitant about that just because 
it may draw, distract, the, well, it may take attention away from the fighters and they're going to try, you know, I'm afraid that Spike TV may want to focus more on GSP training, but we'll see how that pans out. Um, Randy Couture officially signed his contract to face former professional boxing champion James Tony at UFC 118. At, that's going to be August 28th at the TD Garden Arena in Boston. It's going to mark the first time that uh, James Tony will compete in an MMA match. Couture already has a two-fight win streak with wins over Mark Coleman and Brandon Vera in the light heavyweight division. So it should be interesting for sure. UFC 118 is also going to have Kenny Florian fighting Gray Maynard, uh, and Joe Lazan is also going to be on that card. I definitely think that it's going to be an interesting contrast of styles just because you've got the wrestler in Couture and the straight knockout power of Tony. Like I said, a loss for in, either, in either category is definitely going to hurt one of these guys just because in Randy Couture's case, it's going to basically be, you know, you got beaten by a guy who just came into the sport, especially if it's by KO. Uh, for James Tony. Him losing to Randy Couture, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll say, it, you know, it can be said he lost to a more complete fighter, but the fact of the matter is that he's not going to be able to deliver on all the shit talking that he's been doing since signing a contract with the UFC. So overall, I think it's just going to be a very intriguing matchup, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm going to try, like I said in previous episodes, to make my way to the UFC Expo in Boston um, come August. Um, hopefully, my take radio will have a presence there myself my fiance and probably Slick would be joining me on, on this trip. We'll see how that pans out leading closer to the expo. Uh, by all means, I will let you guys know what's going to happen. And um, if any of you guys are in the Boston area, we can probably link up or something. We'll see how it goes, but definitely something that I'm looking forward to in the coming weeks. MMA Junkie reported also that Junior Dos Santos signed a contract to face Roy Nelson for UFC 117. That's going to be August 7th in Oakland, California. Uh, the main event for that card is going to be Anderson Silva fighting Chael Sonnen. Uh, Ricardo Almeida is going to fight Matt Hughes. You've got Rafael Dos Anjos fighting Clay Guida, Junior Dos Santos versus Roy Nelson, and there is um, a possibility of Thiago Alves and John Fitch also on that card. Um, another great card. It's going to just be UFC just taking my money for the duration of the summer with great cards in July and August. Uh, this weekend, of course, is the UFC 115, sorry, with uh, Chuck Liddell fighting Rich Franklin. Of course, the Ultimate Fighter coaches will collide. Uh, Mirko Krokop, uh, Filipovic is going to be fighting uh, Hyperdive, Pat Barry. Um, I'm actually going to be putting up a preview for that pay-per-view after the broadcast. Pat Barry is a dangerous dude. I really think that Krokop is going to come in there, and they're just going to stand there and beat the piss out of each other. Uh, Paulo Tiago is going to be on that card, as is Ben Rothwell, uh, Gilbert Ivel and Carlos Condit and Rory McDonald. The uh, preliminary card on Spike should be at 9 p.m., I believe, and you're going to have Tyson Griffin fighting Evan Dunham and Mac Danzig fighting Matt Wyman on the prelims on Spike, so definitely if you have Spike TV, check that out. Um, in, in the lead-up to this card, they, uh, Mirko Krokop was recently... Uh, I always mess up that name. It's Mirko Krokop, not Krokop. I always mess that up. I apologize. Um, recently discussed what happens with this upcoming fight, what he would do post-UFC. He said that he would either do one of two things, either extend his contract or retire, but he feels that he's going to keep fighting given that he's healthy, he's focused, he's got his training down pat. Um, he said that he, if he plans to finish his career in the UFC, I will not change organizations. And he said that as long as people want to 
see him fight, he will continue fighting. Um, right now, it seems that Merkel, of course, of course, is the favorite, and with great reason. But Pat Barry is 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 a problem. I I you know I saw his last fight and the uh, the work that he put in. He has great stand up. His leg kicks are dangerous, but Krokop is a problem too. His leg kicks can come in there and have serious knockout power. He can put motherfuckers in the hospital. So it's definitely going to be worth seeing. Uh, the ulti- in regards to the Ultimate Fighter finale, of course. Um, like I said, the, uh, the the two finalists will be meeting, but also on that card, Jamie Yeager will be fighting uh, Rich Antonito. Chris Camozzi is going to fight James Hammertree, and Brad Tavares is going to fight Seth Bozinski. Those are going to be the fights that are going to be taking place on the Ultimate Fighter finale, and that's going to be June 19th, and you'll, you can catch that on Spike. The main event for that card is going to be Matt Hamill fighting Keith Jardine, of course, the finals with Court McGee and Chris McRae. Chris Lieben's going to be fighting Aaron Simpson, and Spencer Fisher's going to be fighting Dennis Siver. On the prelim card, like I said, it's going to be the Ultimate Fighter contestants fighting on the prelim card as well. June 16th, you're going to get Strike Force. Um, that's going to be the Strike Force Los Angeles card, and it's going to take place Wednesday night. And it actually is going to be coinciding with E3, which is pretty funny. I really want to see what happens with EA Sports MMA and an E3 presence, considering that Strike Force is also going to be in the area. Uh, the main card is going to be Robbie Lawler fighting Renato Babalusa Brawl in a 195-pound catchweight bout. You're going to have Evangelista Cyborg Santos, that is the husband of Chris Cyborg Santos. He's going to be fighting Marius Zeromskis. Uh, Tim Kennedy is going to be fighting Trevor Prangley. And Connor Hewn is going to be fighting KJ Nunes. Hewn is stepping in for... Charles Crazy Horse Bennett, who withdrew from his rematch with KJ News due to personal reasons. Um, Dana White was recently interviewed this week as well regarding some of the changes that Chuck Liddell has made in terms of just diet and being more in shape than he's ever been for a fight regarding UFC 115. Here's some of the highlights. Um, when they asked if Chuck Liddell would retire, he'd say, uh, Dana White went on to say that I'd have to say, yeah, if things go like they have in the past few fights, I think he'd make that call as well. Um, when asked about Chuck's uh, necessity to party hard, he says Chuck Liddell was a zombie. He was literally walking around like a zombie. You can't go out every night and then roll into camp for four weeks and come out and fight. It doesn't work. It was when he saw the window closing that he started to take it serious and wants to come back to see if he can really do it one more time. Um, in regards to questions regarding Liddell's game plan, he said that he's going to try and he feels that Liddell's going to try and defend takedowns from Rich Franklin, and he's probably going to try and go for the straight right hand or the left hook because Rich Franklin is the southpaw, and I think that the overhand right will definitely come into play. Um, definitely excited for the card. Uh, the odds of me ordering are 50-50, not because it's a bad card, just because I've just been giving the UFC way too much money, but... Nonetheless, I am going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music, and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality, and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. 
All right, we're back. Let's talk some wrestling. First off, definitely want to talk about Monday Night Raw and also about NXT. Um, Monday Night Raw, the guest hosts this week were the cast of the A-Team, uh, Charlotte Copley, Bradley Cooper, and, of course, the one and only Rampage were there. I'm going to tell you, not a really great night in regards to backstage skits. I think that the ending skit with the A-Team was interesting. Um, it was really well done. It definitely allowed Rampage to interact with the WWE superstars. I will say this, Rampage in the WWE is not something that I would consider out of the ordinary. I think he has the charisma and the potential to have a great impact in professional wrestling. Uh, the way he presents himself, his personality, his character would definitely fit in with the larger-than-life personas in the WWE quote-unquote universe. I think that that in and of itself is something that he may want to consider down the road and... Um, Overall, like I said, the wrestling for the evening was pretty decent. It was a, a viewer's choice night where the fans got to vote on WWE.com for opponents and stipulations for some of the matches of the evening. Overall, like I said, not that great from a skit standpoint. The wrestling was solid. But what I do want to discuss is the ending of Monday Night Raw. The last match of the night was John Cena fighting CM Punk, who was voted in by the fans. It was between... Uh, CM Punk and Rey Mysterio, and I believe, who the hell am I missing from that? Shit, I think it was between Rey Mysterio, CM Punk, and I, and I wanted to say Edge, but I don't think it was. Oh, it was uh, Jack Swagger. Nonetheless, pretty solid match from start to finish, and as the match was going towards a close, Wade Barrett, who ended up winning the NXT Season 1, came out and approached the ring. John Cena, of course, took exception, was pretty much mouthing to him, like, hey, what are you doing here? Do you have a problem with me? Blah, 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 blah. Needless to say, as soon as that happened, Wade Barrett involved himself in the match attacking John Cena, but it got better because it seemed that the rest of the NXT rookies came out from the crowd and attacked everybody. Refs, officials, announcers, CM Punk, the Straight Edge Society, uh, cameramen, they destroyed the ring, they destroyed the set, uh, they flipped over the announce table. One thing I did notice conveniently was that Michael Cole disappeared when this happened and giving his issues with Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson. It was weird seeing him disappear and not get beaten up. Meanwhile, Lawler, the ring announcers, the refs, everybody got their ass kicked. Uh, definitely very interesting. It was a really good ending. It um, definitely put NXT in the forefront. It really put the rookies out there. The crowd was in shock. Of course, there was a camera panning around. All the sad John Cena fans, you know, because, you know, it's John Cena's fan base, a lot of children. Uh, nonetheless, definitely a great way to solidify the NXT rookies as a force. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to see how it pans out next week, especially with the fact that you know, pretty much every, all these guys came in, they attacked everybody, they destroyed everything. And I want to see how the uh, guys like CM Punk and the Straight Edge Society are going to retaliate in regards to that, considering that Darren Young, one of the NXT rookies, was uh, aligned with CM Punk, while CM Punk was his mentor for the season. So it should really be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, moving on into Tuesday, which was the debut of NXT Season 2. Um, overall, not too impressed with the cast. Um, 
the the rookies were Husky Harris, who was the son of IRS. His pro was Cody Rhodes. Eli Cottonwood, who's just a really creepy, weird dude. He used to play for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he got put with John Morrison. Percy Watson, um, a really weird dude. He's like a combination of Urkel and Little Richard. and He's just crazy, man. He wears like these weird Urkel glasses with no lenses. He's always dancing. Definitely not somebody I really see much, doing much in the future, but who knows? He may kick it up in coming weeks. His pro is MVP. Titus O'Neal, who played for the Florida Gators and the NFL Jaguars, was put with Zack Ryder. Caval, a.k.a. Low-Key, a.k.a. Senshi from Ring of Honor and TNA, was put with, of all people, Layla and Michelle McCool. I don't know what exactly they plan on doing with that, but I'm intrigued to see how it pans out. Uh, Lucky Cannon, was, was, which is the weirdest name ever, uh, was put with Mark Henry. Michael McGillicuddy, which is the worst name ever, is the son of Mr. Perfect, Joe he- uh, Kurt Henning. Of course, his real name is Joe Henning. Why they didn't just use that is beyond me. He was trained by Harley Race. His pro is Kofi Kingston. And Alex Riley was uh, aligned with The Miz, who is returning as a coach for the second season of NXT. Overall, I'll tell you that the first se- the first episode once again, not that great wrestling-wise, but the ending was crazy just because we really expected a, another face-off between the rookies and the pros. And there was a face-off, but it ended up being the pros getting the better end of it, whooping the ass of all the NXT rookies for Season 2 just to make sure that they didn't have what happened on Monday Night Raw repeat itself with this new season of rookies. Overall, very interesting to see how this pans out in the coming weeks. Like I said, I see great things coming from Cabal, Alex Riley, and, of course, Michael McGillicuddy are the three definitely to watch in NXT. Overall, definitely excited in the, in the new direction WWE is going where they're looking to promote uh, smaller wrestlers, uh, more quote-unquote talented wrestlers, and kind of shying away from all the cookie-cutter angles that they've done in the, in the last few months. Again, definitely excited to see WWE go in the right direction. I would be doing some reporting on TNA, but Impact was um, playing while I was doing, well, I, while I started this week's broadcast. So I will discuss Impact a little bit next week as well. Also, WWE has a couple of movie projects coming out. Uh, the first one is actually going to be a movie starring Randy Orton. It was originally going to be titled Big Red, but it's actually going to be called, going forward, That's What I Am. And pretty much Randy Orton's going to be playing the father of a bully in the movie. The movie's set in the 1960s, and it's going to be about a 12-year-old boy um, whose who's English teacher, who's being played by um, Ed Harris, pairs him up on a school project with the school's biggest outcast and social pariah, a, a, a kid named Stanley, a.k.a. Big Red. Randy Orton's going to be playing his father. And pretty much and Andy's going to see what happens, and it's going to talk about a series of events that um, pretty much put these two kids' lives on a collision course. I'm interested to see Randy Orton's acting potential considering uh, the the, the weird character he plays on Raw. I've always felt that his long, drawn-out, lengthy, boring promos are definitely not his strong suit. I want to see him in a new environment. It should be interesting for sure. Also, Triple H, you haven't been been seeing him lately on Monday Night Raw because he's also filming a movie called The Chaperone. Uh, pretty much, it's gonna be uh, he's gonna be a wheelman that's trying to go straight 
while raising his daughter, and of course, something comes along, bank robbing job that he agrees to do, and then towards the middle of the movie, he's going to change his mind. The crew is not going to have a driver. Instead, Ray's going to be a chaperone for his daughter's school trip. Of course, the robbery goes wrong, and madness ensues with the bank robbers and, of course, Triple H's character and the daughter's field trip. Overall, it should be interesting to see how Triple H uh, does in another uh, motion picture. I think he was really good in Blade Trinity. I think he had a lot of charisma. He had a lot of character. And one of the funny things was when he was in Blade Trinity, he was supposed to just have a small role, and they ended up expanding the role just because of the fact that, you know, he had such great charisma and such great timing. So definitely a step in the right direction. Um, less Triple H on TV is kind of a good thing just because he seems to always be made the focal point of what's going on on Monday Night Raw. Should be interesting to see what happens afterward given the new direction that WWE is going in. But we'll see what happens. Um, a couple of months back, I announced that WWE was going to be doing away with the Survivor Series but they announced at the end of Raw to the live audience that tickets for the 2010 Survivor Series will go on sale this Friday. That's going to be taking place at the American Airlines Arena in Miami on November 21st. Um, in February, Vince McMahon had indicated that Survivor Series would be retired um, after 22 years, but I guess they're going to end up going back to a formula that works. I mean, yes, yeah, Survivor Series didn't do well in 2009, but it's something that is synonymous with Thanksgiving. I've watched countless Survivor Series growing up, and it's kind of been a tradition whether I watch it live or after the fact. The fact is that Survivor Series is a, is a pay-per-view that everybody knows. It's right up there with the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania in terms of big-time events. So it's nice to see them go back and bring Survivor Series out of the woodwork. Also, uh, Raw's guest host for this upcoming week is going to be uh, Mark Fierstein from Royal Pains. He plays, uh, I believe it's Dr. Hank, if I'm correct. So definitely something to look forward to uh, for this upcoming week if you're a fan of Royal Pains and if you want to see what happens with the NXT rookies and the WWE Universe, definitely tune in to Raw next week. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to talk about video games when I get back. I wonder what's on tonight even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say... This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, and we're back. Let's talk some video games. First off, Guitar Hero, once again... It's, it's getting really to Madden levels with the sequels. Um, this isn't the only time that I'm going to really complain about these music games, but Guitar Hero, of course, the next one's going to be called Get Six, and, of course, the title was changed from Guitar Hero 6 to the ever-catchy Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock. You're going to get a party play mode, all the usual instrument combinations. You're going to have a quest mode which should be interesting, which pretty much you're going to have uh, players starting at the CBGB club in New York City, and you're going to just move your way up and play at different venues, and you're going to recruit either Guitar Hero characters, 
and well, you're going to be recruiting Guitar Hero characters and transform them into quote-unquote rock warriors to take down um, a character known as the Beast. I don't know exactly what the fuck they're trying to do, but it should be interesting for sure. I mean, Gene Simmons is in there doing some voice work. There's going to be uh, overall demigods, beasts, mutants, all kinds of weird shit. I don't know why they're going this direction. It just seems like something that's just a last-ditch effort to um, just just squeeze the life out of the Guitar Hero franchise. Um, for those of you that have just joined us, um, I did notice that Blog Talk Radio put up a bulletin on the switchboard regarding issues that they are experiencing. So if you hear any slight audio clips or any, you know, any slight uh, breakdowns in audio, it's because something is wrong with Blog Talk Radio as usual. I apologize if it hurts your experience listening to the show, but I figured I'd give you guys the heads up just in case you are listening live. Um, going back to this whole Guitar Hero situation, they're going to have over 90 tracks. Some of the tracks you're going to see are from Black Sabbath, Megadeth, Slipknot. Here's some of the songs that were announced. AFI is going to have their Dancing Through Sunday track on there. Avenged Sevenfold is going to have Bat Country. Black Sabbath is going to have Children of the Grave. A band called The Buzzcocks, they're going to have a song called What Do I Get. Uh, Children of Bodom is going to have If You Want Peace, Prepare for War. Wow, that's an awesome name for a track. The Cure is going to have music on there. Death Leopard, uh, Death Clock, Dragon Force, The Drowning Pool, Foo Fighters, Foreigner, James Addiction, Kiss, Megadeth, Metallica and Ozzy Osbourne, Muse, My Chemical Romance, Queen, wow, they're going to have Bohemian Rhapsody on there from Queen, Rammstein, The Rolling Stones, Silver Sun Pickups, Slayer, and ZZ Top. So it should be interesting for sure in terms of music. I just feel that you can do so much in, in just releasing these songs as downloadable content and maybe just putting out new instruments and new updates as, a, as opposed to making people have to buy more shit, more bundles, more instruments. I, you know, because, of course, when they release these instrument bundles, they toss one or two little things in there that are going to make people want to go and buy new instruments. In this particular instance, it's going to be new guitars, which I've seen, which actually look very nice, but it's just the, the same fucking menagerie of bullshit. Oh, let me go and buy a new guitar and new instruments for the, for the same fucking shit we've been playing for the last three or four years. So, Guitar Hero, folks, Warriors of Rock is going to be out this fall. So, feel free to continue to give this franchise your money or just playing for roster updates. Um, well, you're going to be paying for roster updates, sorry, like Madden. Uh, moving on, GoldenEye, um, of course, has been the subject of much speculation um, everybody would really like to see GoldenEye, whether it's on the Wii, the Virtual Console, Xbox 360, something, anything. Well, guess what? You're going to get your wish. There is a remake of GoldenEye that will be coming out later on this year, but it's not coming from the original developers. It seems that Go Nintendo received an email showing off box art for the remake, and it had a little bit of information for the game. Uh, Rare is not making the game. Rare confirmed that they are not working on any type of GoldenEye title. Um, it seems that, you know, the licensing issues have kept this game from being on Xbox Live, but they are doing a remake, and it seems to be expected probably towards the fall or the holiday season. I'm really intrigued just to see how it's going to translate onto the Wii. Um, I'm more than sure that, you know, the analog stick and the Wii mode are probably going to serve as the walking and the gun portion 
of the game. Just uh, really good to see Goldeneye back in the press. I mean, for such an old game, it was really well done. It was a fun game, and I'm more than sure that many people are going to enjoy it. Um, Xbox Live fans, of course, you know are going to be pissed just because Xbox Live, um, in terms of multiplayer, Xbox Live would be great for Goldeneye. Unfortunate, but hey, Nintendo at least went in and, and took the initiative to bring Goldeneye out. Now, whether it's good or not remains to be seen. Maybe during E3 we'll see a little bit of gameplay footage. Uh, for those of you that are fans of Infamous, guess what? You're getting a sequel. The latest issue of Game Informer revealed a little bit about the game, including a new look for Cole McGrath. You're going to have a new city that you're going to be involved with, as well as new powers, and you're going to get a completely new, quote-unquote, major badass foe. So if you actually read the rag known as Game Informer, Stop and pick it up if you're a fan of Infamous so you can get some details on the upcoming game. Um, as of right now, there's been no confirmation that you will be seeing it at E3, but hey, you never know. There's a lot of scheduling stuff that's been leaked out recently, which I'm going to share with you guys, so you may get an opportunity to see Infamous 2 as well. Uh, Sega actually announced on their community blog that they're going to be showing off quite a few titles at E3 this year. Um, some of the titles they'll be showing off is Vanquish, which you can check out the trailer on MyTakeRadio.com, The Conduit 2, Sonic Colors, Fantasy Star Portable 2, Sonic 4 Episode 1, Tournament of Legends, and Shogun Total War. There's also probably going to be a, a, a whole bunch of other Sega titles and a little nugget of information that I'm going to share later on in the broadcast that Sega announced recently. So I'm going to definitely give you guys some more Sega news before the segment is over. The iPhone, of course, on the 7th, the whole world took a collective shit as Steve Jobs announced the iPhone version 4, iPhone HD, iPhone that's going to take over the world, blah, 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 blah. Nonetheless, uh, this new iPhone, of course, is going to have a new iOS 4. It's going to be the new Apple operating system, uh, the inclusion of iAds, iMovie, um, I don't give a fuck, simply because... It continues to be on AT&T, which I hate. Um, I'm a T-Mobile subscriber. They got cheap plans. I've been with them since they were OmniPoint. The iPhone continues to remain exclusive for AT&T, um, which I've been hearing rumors that that's going to change. As of right now, though, iPhone is only AT&T only, and one of the new announcements that was made is the fact that you'll be able to get a Netflix app on the iPhone that will, of course, allow you to stream movies, do instant queues, and browsing. But in addition to that, you can watch a movie on the iPhone, stop, stop, you know, stop the movie on your iPhone, and resume playback on a different device, including, of course, your Xbox 360, uh, Blu-ray players, etc. You're going to, of course, uh, they're going to adapt the network a little bit, so I'm more than sure that if you have Wi-Fi in your house, you're going to have a stronger connection if your 3G signal is low, etc., etc. Definitely great to see that. Also, Apple took the opportunity to say that in the new iPhone they added a gyroscope that will allow you to do six-axis 3D motion control, uh, in particular to the three-axis gyroscope and the accelerometer. This is definitely going to change the way games are played, especially mobile games, just because the accelerometer and the gyroscope are going to allow complete movement to dictate how games are played. Definitely a step in the right direction, just because Apple is trying to establish a presence in the portable gaming arena, and they're not going out of their way to do it. They're just making little adjustments here and there, stronger processor, gyroscope, better accelerometer, 
these things are definitely going to change the way portable games are played. So definitely keep an eye on Apple in the near future to see if these innovations are going to lead companies like Nintendo and Sony to um, take a look at their existing consoles and make any changes. I mean, we got the 3DS coming out, which I'm going to discuss this week as well, um, but Sony definitely is not doing so hot, and I can see Apple, like I've said in previous episodes, definitely staking a claim for their second spot. It, they're not going to overtake Nintendo, but I'm more than sure they won't doubt being number two. Uh, for those of you that are playing Rock Band, MTV Games announced that tracks by Ozzy Osbourne will be available June 15th. Um, you'll be able to get a new track pack that's going to have six songs from his solo career. The songs are Crazy Babies, Digging Me Down, I Don't Want to Stop, Let Me Hear You Scream, No More Tears, and Soul Sucker. You'll be able to purchase those tracks as part of Ozzy Osbourne Pack 1, as well as individual tracks on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and as individual tracks on the Wii. Uh, the single track pricing is going to be $1.99 or 160 Microsoft points on the 360, of course. The full pack is going to be $9.99 or 800 Microsoft points on the Xbox 360. Um, for the Wii, it's going to be $2.00 a track or 200 Wii points per track. So if you are a fan of Ozzy and you are playing Rock Band, here's your chance to get some of his great tracks on the console of your choice. Um, in regards to handhelds, I read an interesting little bit of uh, facts here regarding piracy. It seems that handheld gaming is taking a beating in regards to all the piracy that's been going on. According to a report that was put out by the uh, Computer Entertainment Suppliers Association in Japan, it seems that the DS and the PSP have lost over $41 billion in the last five years. It seems that most of the pirated games are being hosted on servers located in the United States and China, with the countries being first and second, respectively. The regions host 60% of the identified servers in the world, and, of course, these numbers are definitely, uh, definitely affecting the bottom line just because piracy, especially for the PSP in particular, is, is something that's rather simple. I mean, for the DS, of course, it's just that simple, but the PSP is just a console that so many people just don't want to sink a lot of money into for whatever reason that it ends up being becoming just a, a no-brainer for so many people to pirate games. It is unfortunate that $41 billion got taken away from the gaming industry, but these are things that are going to continue to happen if quality games aren't being put out to make people want to go and part with their money. I think that the, especially on the Sony PlayStation portable front, the amount of subpar games coming out and the expectation that people are going to pay money for them is definitely going to continue to make piracy go up just because people don't want to shell out money for games that are subpar or for, you know, re remakes of PlayStation 1 classics. It's just not fair to a lot of people. And I, a lot of people I've talked to that own the PSP say the same thing. You know, I have a modded system, and the only thing I do is play ROMs on it. You know, NES, Super Nintendo, just because the offerings on the PSP are so limited. It's unfortunate, but I'm more than sure when digital distribution becomes the norm, we're going to see piracy increase a lot more just because there's going to be more cracks and more things out there in addition to digital distribution that are going to allow people to access more first-party games that come out on the PSP or the DS. It's unfortunate, man, but it's a lot of piracy. I mean, the PlayStation 3 seems to be the only console that's kind of locked down piracy in, in such a way that nobody's been able to crack it in any shape or form. 
that I'm aware of at least, but it seems all these other companies are just losing money, especially the portable market. $41 billion is some serious, serious money to lose, especially within five years. It's unfortunate, but I think it's just going to be a trend that we're going to continue to see if they don't step it up and put out quality products that people are going to want to buy. Um, before I go into the next bit of news, I see Slick is holding. Hopefully the switchboard works. Let's bring him in. Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? What do you got? Uh, just chiming in on the whole piracy thing. <clears throat> I mean, with the you, you pretty much said it, but with the PSP, it's just obvious. It's like, let, let's face it. It's been out longer, but the PSP has a shittier library than the Wii. And the average person who does use it, it's their, it's their portable ROM system. Yep. It's, it's real unfortunate that that's what it's come down to. Either they use it to play freaking ROMs of, of games they got off the Internet, or they use it to listen to music or watch, watch you know, pirated movies that they download. Nobody really uses it to buy proprietary so to play proprietary software. Well I think I think you owe a P you own a PSP, right? I own two PSPs. When was the last time you turned that shit on? <laughs> Please. I turn my Wii on more often. That's terrible. It's unfortunate. I mean, you know, I think that with the PSP Go, they were testing the waters on digital distribution, and that kind of blew up in their face. And, you know, in regards to what I said before, especially with Apple, you know, dipping their hands in the pool, so to speak, and saying, look, man, we're adding, you know, an accelerometer, um, a better gyroscope. It's going to allow complete motion to dictate how you play games and just interact with games as a whole. I really think that, Apple is going to sneak up on Sony and take that second place slot, especially with something that I'm going to be discussing later on in the broadcast. It's just going to be more and more of Apple sneaking up, and before you know it, they're just going to choke Sony out, and Sony's going to drop to number three, and they're either going to have to change their model and attack portable gaming differently, or they're just going to have to have better offerings on the portable side because nobody's buying games. I don't see people going crazy to, to play, you know, the next God of War game on the PSP. I don't. I don't see it. No, neither. And with the DS, I think the problem there, because I mean, obviously the DS, it has tons of you know great games, whether it's first party or second party, or even third party, tons of great games to play all the time, and that's why it stays on top. But I think the problem is the games that, especially in the United States, that people want to play the most. The one of the one of the reasons why there's so much piracy is because people in the U.S. especially have to wait. You take the single biggest game for the DS, Pokemon. It comes out in Japan a good six months before it comes out in the United States, and. A lot of times you'll see, like, videos on YouTube of, like, the Japanese version being played by American kids, but you can tell it's like they're playing it on a computer. Oh, yeah, you can definitely see that for sure. I'm like, you're sitting there watching the video, like, why does this music sound way better than the DS speak? Oh, because it's computer speakers, that's why. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's 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 crazy that forty-one billion dollars have taken a shit. But you know what I've noticed? I've noticed that more gamers, especially on the DS side, are willing to go out there and put the thirty bucks down and and buy the hard copy of the game just because they they really are are working hard to support Nintendo. I think that especially from the portable game, you know, from the portable market, those that own the PSP. Uh, whether it's the Go or the standard PSP, I think there's just a certain amount of bitterness involved that they refuse to support a product that's been revamped and redone 20 different times, and there's just certain little fixes that Sony just never bothers to Im- to implement. I think that the PSP was rushed out to compete against the Game Boy, and you know now the DS. And while it is nicer and has a whole lot more features, the gameplay isn't as engaging because the library isn't as plentiful for people to want to go and buy stuff. Yeah, I mean, you look at it this way. They say $41 billion between the PSP and the DS. A lot of that loss is, you know, pretty much just loss at the time that people are pirating things because you could pirate your Pokemon, and let's even go on the Wii for like your Super Mario Galaxy 2. But these are games you really wouldn't want to play on anything but the proprietary console, and that's why people will still buy it on the DS or the Wii or whatever, because the game, playing it really doesn't make sense on any other console. It's, people are playing it because they don't want to wait. They're still going to play it when it comes out in their country. There you go. Well, we'll see how it pans out. Wait till you see something else that's going to happen that involves Apple. You're gonna you're gonna lose your mind. Yeah, always. And another thing. Well, I'll see what happens with that. I'll talk to you later, man. All right, brother. Thanks. Later. All right. Moving through the the game news, Capcom released their E3 lineup of titles that will be shown uh, during the show this week. The list includes Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Okamiden, Bionic Commando Rearm 2, Sengoku Basara, Samurai Heroes, Ghost Trick, Phantom, De- Phantom Detective, Dead Rising 2, and Dead Rising 2 Case Zero, as well as MotoGP uh, 2009-2010. Capcom also said that they have a couple of other surprises under wrap, but they're going to save that for when they meet the press. For those of you that are fans of the Dungeon Siege series, uh, the game, which has been developed by Obsidian Entertainment, is going to be released on consoles as well as on the PC. Chris Taylor, creator of the original game and Gas Power Games, will be the advisor during the development, and the game is going to be developed by Square Enix. This will be the first time that Dungeon, that Dungeon Siege becomes available on consoles. So for those of you that are Dungeon Siege fans and want to play it on something other than the PC, definitely check it out on the console as well in the coming months. In other E3 news, it seems that the new 3DS handheld will be showcased at the, at the E3 Expo. The odds are that it's going to be something where Nintendo's going to save it towards the end. Off the bat, the fact is that there's a lot of claims going out that the new 3DS handhold, handheld excuse me, has as much processing power as the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. According to a report by IGN, the developers have said that the 3DS far exceeds the Wii's power. 
while the handheld may not the same may not have the same visuals as the PS3 or the 360, you can definitely tell that rendering games in 3D is going to take a lot of processing power. So even if the rumors of that system being that as powerful as a PS3 or a 360 are false, it's going to definitely be substantially more juiced than the DS or the DSi. Now, before I move on, it, it's, it's crazy, and, and this leads me back to the whole thing that I say about the Wii all the time. And the fact is, the Wii is your flagship console, yet you're putting out a portable system that is going to have a, a ton of, of processing power and it's only going to affect the portable market. I, I, I don't understand why they're not investing the same energy into the Wii that they're investing into the DS. Don't get me wrong. The DS is the, you know, now the number one selling portable console of all time. But the fact of the matter is that the Wii is the thing that you've worked hard to innovate, to go out there and force people to play and you know, make people want to buy because of the, of the great interactivity, the gameplay, the ability to be, to be physically active with your games. It's going to be ridiculous that this new 3DS is going to be that powerful and it's going to be light years ahead of the Wii. It, it's crazy. I mean, the way it's, it's moving forward, it really seems like Nintendo's not focusing on the Wii as much. I don't know if that means that they're working on a successor to the Wii, but the fact that a portable handheld is going to be stronger and more capable of greater things than your flagship console is just, it seems very strange. In other news, uh, Vince Zampella and Jason West, who are the founders of Respawn Entertainment, who are, of course, uh, developers, were the executives from Infinity Ward that were terminated in 2010, stated on Facebook that they will have a very big announcement at E3 and to stay tuned. Um, considering that Respawn's only been out there for two months, it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do in such a limited amount of time, what, what kind of huge announcement they got and whether they have a trailer or any type of software that they want to showcase at E3. It should be interesting to see. I'm more than sure there will be some sort of first-person shooter involved just because it's something I've come to expect. I could be a thousand percent wrong, but the fact is that Respawn is trying to go out there and show that they can stand on their own, and I admire them for doing that, but with such little time under their belt, are they really going to be able to put something out that's, that's going to make any sort of an impact at E3, which is, you know, just days away? It's interesting for sure. In other E3 news, Activision continues to rape our pockets with the recently announced, which you can see the trailer on MyTakeRadio.com, DJ Hero 2, or as I like to call it, uh, Rape Hero. And the reason is because you went and spent, you know, $149 or $200 in my case for the DJ Hero uh, turntable and game. Activision continues to try and find new ways to fuck us over because the new game is going to um, include, if you buy the full version, you're gonna, it's going to include two turntables and a microphone. Now, what I want to know is, are the two turntables going to be something where you're going to have to do with both hands together? And if such, like a real turntable, how is that going to function in terms of the price? You know, you, you charge people $200 for the exclusive box set. You charge people $149 for the, for the lower grade. How much do you think... People, people are going to be willing to pay for two turntables and a microphone. Now, besides that, 
the inclusion of a microphone, what happens to those of us that have DJ Hero now? Where are we going to plug the microphone? In our asses? Is it going to be USB? Are you going to plug it into the console? Because based on what you can see on the trailer, you see the cut, the mic, you know, near the turntable. Now, I could be wrong, and it could just go plug. It could just be plugged into the Xbox. But really, if you're playing the game by yourself, how are you going to use a mic and DJ? Obviously, it's going to be something that's optional. But to get the full experience, you're going to want the two turntables and the mic. I just don't understand the logistics. I mean, the music, of course, is going to be awesome based on what was shown in the trailer, um, you know, with tracks from Dr. Dre, the Chemical Brothers, Kanye West, Lady Gaga, Metallica, and others. Um, Deadmau5, who's the, um, who is uh, one of the award-winning producers you're going to see as an, as an in-game playable character, Activision will be offering a free download of Lady Gaga's Just Dance um, mixed with Dead Mouse Ghosts and stuff, which is available um, from now until June 14th on Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network. Um, definitely a cool track. I'm probably going to be downloading that because I still play DJ Hero. I just, uh, again, you know, you're doing it with Guitar Hero, and now you're going to do it with DJ Hero. Why not just release tracks, track packs, and, and shit like that, and maybe every couple of years, you know, a cooler turntable. And, and, you know, just give people freedom of choice. Don't just shove the shit down our throats in terms of, oh, this is so innovative and so unique. No, it's not. It's just another excuse for us to go out there and fucking be fake DJs with microphones trying to be cool. And get this, if you watch the trailer on MyFakeRadio.com, if you pre-order the game, you get a Puma DJ bag. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be the coolest motherfucker in the club with my Puma DJ bag that has a plastic turntable. I, anybody that even remotely entertains walking out of their house with that should be kicked right in the fucking nuts because that is the stupidest shit ever. I mean, I bought the Renegade Edition because of the Jay-Z and Eminem uh, CD that was included, and I just like the way the turntable looked. Plus, you get the stand, which was kind of cool, but... I'm not going to get caught up in that shit again, dropping, you know, $200 just for a plastic turntable and a fucking microphone. It's ridiculous. I'd rather spend the money, and Heartless said it best in the chat, I'd rather spend the money buy and buy real DJ equipment or buy a real mixer that at least I can use for the show. It, it's absurd that they're really taking it to that level in regards to just cranking out needless accessories. But before you know it, I think within the next three years, if, you, if they keep cranking out all this shit, you're going to be able to pretty much have your own orchestra in your house because you're going to have, you know, symbols, you're going to have symbol hero, you're going to have dinner triangle hero, cowbell hero, you know, and then you're going to add the turntable and the microphone, you're going to have somebody playing the fucking kazoo, a guitar, um, I believe in the new rock band, they're including a keyboard peripheral as well. It's just getting really, really out of hand. And like I said, it's unfortunate. Worst case scenario, I'm just going to buy the solo game, which I can probably enjoy with the existing hardware I have. So DJ Hero 2, folks, there it is. If you want to check that out, head over to MyFakeRadio.com and you can see the trailer and see the hilarity of two plastic turntables and a microphone. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Moving on. The new DSi is getting three new colors in Japan. Those of us in America are probably jealous because Japan gets all the cool shit. 
seems that North American gamers won't be left out completely because Nintendo announced today that a Midnight Blue DSi XL will be released and coming to North America as well as Japan. Japan is going to get green and yellow colors that gamers in the U.S. will not be seeing. Um, another negative that people are complaining about is that they won't see a price drop. Of course, it's going to be 189 as it always has been. But you've got to ask yourself, it's 189 It's still cheaper than the PSP Go. Yeah, it's kind of close to the price of the Wii, but it's a larger portable console. If you don't want to buy the shit, then don't. I mean, one of two things is probably going to happen. It's probably going to see a price drop closer to the holidays or after the holidays, and they'll phase out one of the, one of the DS units, especially when the 3DS comes out. People complain about the most inane shit. Yeah, it's 189 now. It's going to be a no-brainer that they're going to drop it in price soon, especially when the 3DS comes out. But people complain just about shit that they don't need to be complaining about. They're complaining about um, a no price drop for the DSi, but these are the same motherfuckers that will probably go and pay $250 for two plastic turntables and a microphone. I, I swear, the gaming, the gaming demographic sometimes really boggles my mind with some of the things that they complain about. But hey... I'm a gamer, so I've got to kind of understand where they're coming from. Those of you that are fans of The Sims and have built your own little virtual lives with your virtual people and your virtual house, you know, kind of like Yovil on fucking Facebook, guess what? You're going to be able to play The Sims in a whole new environment, that being consoles. The Sims 3 will be launching this fall on the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, Wii, and DS. Of course, it's going to allow you to share creations and contents with other players on the 360 or the PS3. Along with that, you're going to earn rewards, and the Wii version is going to let players bet against each other in, new life, in the new Life Moments game to see how events will play out. They're also going to add a new beach location with new content. All versions of the console game will be available to check out at E3. So as soon as I get some video of The Sims in action on consoles, I will be putting that up on the website. Um, I've never really sat down to play The Sims. It's always been one of those things that I've been meaning to play. I just don't feel like investing so much time into a PC game just because I'm not a real hardcore PC gamer. But I, I actually want to see how it translates into uh, consoles just because it's one of those things that, to me, definitely seems interesting, especially on something like Xbox Live where you can, you can interact with people so much, especially face-to-face um, -face if you do the camera chat or just talking to each other. It should be interesting to see how, how well that type of a game uh, translates into the, the new pretty much socially active um, Xbox Live setup as well as the PlayStation Network. So we'll see how it pans out this fall. Once again, that's going to be available for view at E3. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Take-Two has announced that Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars will be coming to the iPad. Yes. GTA Chinatown Wars will be coming to the iPad later this month. The information was revealed during Take-Two's financial call earlier this week. Uh, the move to the iPad doesn't come as too huge of a surprise since GTA Chinatown Wars is already available for the iPhone. Um, it definitely did well on the iPhone. It wasn't, you know, a blockbuster, but definitely it, it did make a bit of an impact. Of course, the great graphics will look even better on the iPad. I think that moving a game that's already successful to the iPad platform is going to continue to, to solidify the iPad as a viable, portable gaming alternative. So 
in regards to what me and Slick discussed earlier, Apple is, is and they're doing it in baby steps. It's just going to sneak up and take Sony out, I'm telling you. And every time more and more console games or portable games are on the App Store and they're just doing really well, it's just an, another another knife that Apple is slowly plunging into Sony to take that second spot. I, I, right now, I've played Plants vs. Zombies on the iPad, and I guarantee when that comes out on Xbox Live in a few months, it's going to be a game that everybody's going to play just because it's, it's so unique and so different and so fun. And on the iPad, it translates so well that it, it's, oh, man, if you haven't gotten the chance to play it, head over to an Apple store and check out Plants vs. Zombies, and you'll see what I'm talking about for sure. Um, the iPad is one of those things, and um, Slick said it in the chat, you know, spending four to $800 on a, on a game system when I can get a $189 Nintendo DS. I, I agree 100%. That is a factor. But in regards to, the, to something like the PSP Go, which is $250, you can save up a little bit more money get the iPad, which does more stuff, and still play certain games. I've even seen emulators already running for NES and Super NES games on the iPad where people are using the iPhone for a fucking controller. It's, it's, it's getting crazy, man. Apple and just the, the modding community are putting some real crazy shit out there. I wouldn't be surprised if more ROMs become available on the iPad and the iPhone serves as the controller. It's, it's just crazy. Gaming is just evolving so much and so many new players are coming in that it's going to force the, the mainstays like Nintendo and Microsoft and Sony to really step up their game to make sure that they don't get taken out. Um, I'm all for competition. Like I said, it creates innovation and, of course, it creates just better products for us, the consumers, to enjoy. For those of you that have 3D TVs, which is probably like none of you or one of you or two of you, Kotaku announced that Sony will be releasing its first batch of 3D games this week. The four games that will be coming out are Super Stardust HD, Wipeout HD, Pain, and MotorStorm Pacific Rift. Um, owners of these games, it's unknown right now. I, haven't, I wasn't able to get any information if they will be receiving updates or if they'll have to buy new copies. The motion-controlled fighting game, The Fight Lights Out, will also be playable in 3D when it's released as well. To experience games in 3D, those of you that don't know, you're going to need, of course, a 3D TV and 3D glasses, obviously. And um, Sony's going to include four 3D PS3 games with the purchase of any of their Sony Bravia 3D TVs, which will help a lot of people definitely um, lean towards Sony if they want to make the jump into 3D for sure. Um, I see Heartless in there shitting on the iPad. Um, it's funny that I see him shitting on the iPad in the chat, and it brings me to something that I wasn't going to reference, but given what he was saying in there regarding Android, I will say um, I'm actually contemplating making the jump to Android just because of the fact that um, Apple is not coming to T-Mobile as far as I know, and I refuse to jailbreak a phone from another carrier with so much potential and use it crippled. So... I actually have been entertaining the, the, the possibility of jumping to Android, and I definitely like a lot of the offerings and a lot of the applications. And um, it seems that Heartless ordered a 7-inch uh, Android tablet, so um, I, I definitely would like if he gets an opportunity to do me a favor and maybe throw up a little quick review. I'd, I'd love to put it on the site and hear your thoughts on it. So 
if you if you want to contribute Heartless, that would be awesome, and you can uh, throw that up if you get a chance. Moving back into some gaming news, um, E3 is just days away, and Square Enix, of course, announced some of the upcoming titles. Um, they're going to have a Final Fantasy um, MMO RPG, um, which is going to be Final Fantasy XIV, and they're also going to have a DS game called Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light for the PSP. Um, also, the third birthday and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep will be on display, as will be the new Kingdom Hearts title, Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Other games that they're going to show off are Kane and Lynch 2, Dog Days, Deuce X Human and Revolution, Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light, The Tales of Bearsworth Manor, Puzzling Pages, and The Tales of Bearsworth Manor, Chaotic Conflicts, Front Mission Evolved and Dungeon Siege 3 are also going to be showcased. So Square Enix is uh, definitely trying to go in there and, and get every angle covered, especially with two Final Fantasy games, uh, Final Fantasy 14 and, of course, Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light. So it's going to definitely be interesting. That little nugget of Sega news I talked about earlier in the broadcast it seems that Sega will be releasing Dreamcast titles via Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network. Beginning this fall, to commemorate the 11th anniversary of the Dreamcast, Sega will release Sonic Adventure and Crazy Taxi, which, of course, are going to have high-res graphics and surround sound along with other enhancements. You're going to get your achievements and trophies, as always, as well as online leaderboards. Um, I still have my Dreamcast. I play a lot of the great fighting games that came out on it. Um, I definitely see myself picking up Crazy Taxi. That was such an awesome game. Um, definitely innovative for its time. Sonic Adventure was a fun game. Not a game I'd buy. Um, I actually think I have a copy of it somewhere. So um, Crazy Taxi, yeah. Sonic Adventure, not so much. Tecmo Koi America announced their lineup for E3 as well this week with some of the following titles being shown. Fist of the North Star, Ken's Rage, will be on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 this fall. Quantum Theory for the PS3 and the 360 as well in the fall. Warriors Legends of Troy, also for the PS3 and 360. And Trinity Zones of Zill will be available on the PlayStation 3. Um, in particular, I've seen a couple of photos and a little bit of video footage from Fist of the North Star. I'm a huge Fist of the North Star fan, so... I would definitely be watching that with great interest considering that I'm hearing that there should be a trailer for that within the next few days. So I'm looking forward to that. For those of you that are fans of Fallout, uh, Bethesda announced that if you pre-order Fallout New Vegas at different stores, um, you'll get the opportunity to get a couple of different pieces of downloadable content. If you pre-order through GameStop, you're going to get the classic pack, which is going to contain Armored Vault 13 suit, Vault 13 Canteen, and the Weather 10mm Pistol, and five stim packs. If you pre-order through Amazon, you're going to get the Tribal Pack, which is going to come with the Tribal Raiding Armor, Broad Machete, five doses of Bleak Venom, and ten Throwing Spears. For those using Steam or Walmart, the Caravan Pack will come with lightweight leather armor, sturdy Caravan Shotgun, four repair kits, and binoculars. And finally, of course, if you get it from Best Buy, you'll get the Mercenary Pack, which has the lightweight metal armor, the mercenary grenade, the, the mercenary grenade rifle, three super stim packs, and three doctor bags. So if you're pre-ordering Fallout New Vegas, those are some of the extras you can get from any of the other retailers. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to head into the movie segment right after this. 
www.ninetyseconradio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BornStuckinRadio.com. Rat bastards. All right, let's talk some movies. Uh, Neil McDonough, who you may know from Band of Brothers as well as Bison in the utterly shit Street Fighter Legend of Chung Lee, is in talks to play Dum Dum Dugan, who you may know as one of the essential characters from the Avengers universe. He was one of the Howling Commandos, and he will be appearing in the Captain America movie, which is set to start filming in July. Um, according to Deadline, Brett Ratner, one of my favorite directors right up there with Michael Bay and, and Yui Bowl, um, is going to be working with Relativity Media to put out a live-action version of Snow White. It seems that Melissa Wallach uh, from the movie Bill will be writing the script, which will be an edgy and comedic look at the original Brothers Grimm story. Ratner, who will produce, has the following to say on the film. This is not your grandfather's Snow White. The movie is probably going to suck. His dwarves were miners, and here they are robbers. There's also a dragon that was in the original folktale. Ours is edgy, and there is more comedy. The original made for its time was soft compared to what we're doing now. It's Snow White in the second dwarfs, Ratner. Are you kidding me? Really? Is Chris Tucker going to be in it? How about this? How about Chris Tucker as Snow White and Jackie Chan via CGI is going to be each of the dwarfs? How about that? How's that for innovation? But look, I don't mind Brothers Grimm fairy tales, and I don't mind going in a dark direction, but really Snow White, why don't you do, um, you know, Rapunzel or something like that, something, something that you can push the envelope a little bit. I mean, what, you're going to make instead of seven miners, you're going to make them seven robbers? Ooh, real fucking edgy, Ratner. <sighs> I swear, Hollywood is... Hollywood's really going to be the death of me. It's not going to be a stroke or bad Chinese food or, you know, random gunfire or getting hit by a bus. No, it's going to be Hollywood with their um, in, incredible need to just crank out utter shit, for sure. Alice in Wonderland joins the billion-dollar franchise, Mark. It has now surpassed the Dark Knight in terms of worldwide box office numbers. Uh, Alice went well over the billion-dollar mark last weekend and surpassed the second Batman movie, The Dark Knight. Tim Burton, who directed the first two Batman movies, also directed Alice in Wonderland. Domestically, though, Alice in Wonderland is still about $200 million below The Dark Knight in fifth place, just under Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Of course, I'd really always say the same thing. You've got to add an asterisk next to that, considering that that movie was in 3D and in IMAX, and the tickets were between $15 and $20 a pop. So... Again, great that it's a billion-dollar franchise, but it's, it, if you told me it was a billion-dollar fra billion franchise in 1998, then I'd feel okay because, you know, there was no 3D. Box office tickets were, you know, on a, pre on a pretty even playing field. Now, 15 16 bucks a ticket, not the same. It's just going to help movies hit a billion dollars faster, and it's just going to continue to reinforce the, necessi the necessity to use 3D in everything. Um, in, a, in some Marvel movie news, uh, Joe Carnahan, who's the director of the A-Team, recently spoke about the possibility of directing a film based on the Marvel villain, the Taskmaster. For those of you that aren't familiar with the Taskmaster, he is a guy that can pretty much learn the moves of heroes or villains just by watching them. Um, he's a very unique character because he trains a lot of the supervillains that have been out in the Marvel Universe. 
He's, he's very unique. He doesn't really have allegiances to anybody. Uh, a majority of the time, he's a bad guy. But um, I think a movie about him would be interesting, especially if it ties into the, into the other Marvel continuity. Uh, Joe Carnahan said the following about the Taskmaster. He's very much in the realm of the Punisher. Um, the Taskmaster is a guy that pretty much you can do what you did with Deadpool. He, he's very smart-ass. He has a lot of smart-ass commentary. But with Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds in the Wolverine movie, it's going to be hard to differentiate. But I have a feeling that the Taskmaster is so below the radar that you can pretty much bring him in and people will enjoy him just as much as they enjoyed Deadpool. Nonetheless, Carnahan knows what he wants to do with the next film. He said it. I'm desperate to do another comic book adaptation, and I'm really interested in doing something with Preacher. Um, he said he was a big Garth Ennis, Garth Ennis fan, so it should be interesting. If you don't see something regarding the Taskmaster, who knows? You may see Joe Carnahan do something with Preacher. Again, I think the Taskmaster is one of those guys, he has the potential to be on the same level as Blade in terms of, oh, it's a B-movie character, but he may develop so much potential and it may be so engaging storyline-wise that who knows, you may bring that particular character into the, into the spotlight and more people will gravitate towards some of the lower-tier characters, especially if the stories are engaging. Um, I definitely want to see something with the Taskmaster. I'd like to see him preferably at least in a cameo in the Avengers movie because, like I said, he's such a unique villain and he's, he's butted heads with so many guys in the Marvel Universe. It should be interesting to see if that ever comes to fruition for sure. In terms of box office totals, Shrek continued to steamroll the competition with the number one spot earning $25.3 million. It's made $183 million in three weeks. It had a budget of 165. million. Get Him to the Greek, which actually has been getting some really decent reviews, pulled in $17.4 million. It had a budget of $40 million, and it had a, a per-theater budget of $6,460 per, per theater. Killers wasn't far off, opening at number three with $16.1 million. Film had a $75 million budget. The Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, dropped to number four. It earned $13.9 million. It's made $59.4 million domestically. Worldwide, the film has made 156.4, giving it a total of 219. The film had a budget of $200 million. Sex in the City dropped huge to number five with $12.6 million. It's made $73.4 million in two weeks. The film had a budget of $100 million. Uh, Marmaduke, piece of shit that that is, dropped from third. Um, well, it's actually uh, the third of four new movies in the top ten. It came in at number six with $11.3 million, had a $50 million budget. Iron Man 2 fell three spots to number seven. It earned $7.8. It's made $291 million.2 uh, 291.2 in four weeks. It had a budget of $200 million. Splice debuted at number eight. It made $7.4 million. It had a budget of 30. Robin Hood drops four spots to number nine, earning $5.1 million. It's made $94.2 million. Definitely a bust. The film had a budget of $200 million. And Letters to Juliet still at number 10 with $3 million. It's made $43.3 million in the last four weeks. According to the website BleedingCool.com, it seems that Jamie Bell, who you saw in uh, Billy Elliot, Tintin, and Jumper, is going to be taking the role of Spider-Man in the new reboot for the series. Uh, Sony has not confirmed anything, 
but there are rumors that he was flying to California this week for camera testing and stunt training for the new Spider-Man reboot. The film is due out in July 2012, and Mark Webb, Mark Webb is going to be directing it. Um, of course, there's rumors that there are backups. Josh Hutcherson and Frank Delane are also being considered as backups in case something happens to Bell. Um, Hutcherson, though, may be definitely third in that list just because he's working. Um, he's tied to a sequel to Journey to the Center of the Earth. In some other Marvel news, Marvel Studios announced that Stanley Tucci has joined the cast of Captain America. Tucci will play the role of Dr. Abraham Erskine. Um, Dr. Erskine, well, Erskine or Erskine was the German scientist that was the man behind Project Rebirth. It was also the program that was the uh, basis for the super soldier experiments, which, of course, ended up creating Captain America. So definitely a great move bringing in such a good actor like Stanley Tucci. Definitely looking forward to that. Now, of course, earlier in the broadcast, I said, um, what does E-News, and I actually misspoke and said E-News and DC Comics have in common, but it's actually the E-Network and video games have in common. And that is a rumor that, according to Showbiz Spy, is that they are considering, get this, Kim Kardashian um, to play Lara Croft in a rebooted Tomb Raider franchise, according to the source. Um, there'll be something very different to Angelina Jolie's Lara Croft, Kim is wanted to play a far more comic strip version of Lara Croft, and which would be shot in 3D. You have to shoot it in 3D to accommodate that big ass that she has. And um, it's aimed at a team audience. Kardashian has been waiting to get into acting for some time, but does she fit the mold is the question. Last year, Tomb Raider 3 producer Dan Lin discussed doing a more realistic film and had the following to say about his vision of the franchise. We're rebooting Lara Croft. It's a great origin story we're going to tell and very character-oriented. Um, when you want to discuss character and Kim Kardashian, those two things don't fit together. Um, Kim Kardashian is, is, is great eye candy. I mean, you know, she's a star on E, but what has she really done? Nothing. And you're going to put her in, in a role that's very physical, in a character that's, you know, synonymous with being, you know, a strong, independent woman. I think the only thing independent about Kim Kardashian is that she picks out her own socks. It, it's, it's absurd. There's a million talented actresses out there that are physically fit and able to portray Lara Croft and add a bit of a realistic film to it. Now, if you want to do it in terms of Lara Croft, a sex object that little 12-year-olds will, will spank off to, then, yeah, of course, Kardashian is the great choice. But if you expect this character to be taken seriously, the, 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 the thought that such a rumor exists blows my mind. I really just hope that it's strictly speculation and that it's not something that's actually being considered because, boy, will a lot of people be pissed. Variety record, reported this week that the Voltron movie that's been in works for years now is being shelved. The fact of the matter is that with those bad news, there are some good news. The report states that there are plans to bring back a Voltron animated series titled Voltron Force on Nicktoons, along with a new toy line from Mattel. The series would be 26 episodes long and would be faithful to the 80s cartoon while introducing some new characters to fight alongside the originals. The toy line is said to be edgier and more modern. So, no Voltron movie, but new Voltron cartoon. No biggie. Um, in some other Marvel casting news, Michael Fassbender, who was in 300 and in the upcoming Jonah Hex, um, Jonah Hex has been offered the role in two different Marvel movies. He's a pretty popular guy. 
Um, Matthew Vaughn is interested in having Fassbender play Magneto in the X-Men First Class movie, and he's also been offered the villain role in the new Spider-Man reboot. Rumor is that the villain is going to be Norman Osborn. Odds are that both films are going to be shooting at the same time, so neither one of those movies right now is a definite for this particular actor. Um, personally, I've seen Fassbender in 300. I think he would make a really good Magneto. Um, in terms of Norman Osborn, not really sure he'd be good for that just because you need somebody slightly older, but we'll see how it pans out. I think that um, X-Men First Class is shaping up really well. Matthew Vaughn is taking his time, putting in the right characters in place. There's a rumor saying that um, Ro uh, Rosamund Pike, who was in the 007 movie with um, Pierce Brosnan, I believe it was the one with Halle Berry, is being considered for the role of the White Queen in X-Men First Class as well. Uh, there's rumors that Pike was seen in the casting office with the cast meeting with the casting director. So we'll see if she's going to play the Emma Frost that we all know and love that's usually scantily clad. We'll see how that goes. Mark Wahlberg recently confirmed that there will be an Entourage movie. Um, he said, I'm more focused on making that movie than my own films. I just think we can make a great movie. I think people always wanted it and have complained that the episodes are too short. They've always wanted more. I think we're going to do it. We just have to end strong, and this season is by far the best season so far. Mark also gave us some insight into the trailer. He said the trailer is going to open up with Ari and Lloyd waking up together in Vegas not knowing what happened. He added it would be pretty cool. Based on that little nugget of information, I have a feeling that they're going to go with a hangover-type film. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Entourage. I'm a huge fan of Ari, though. I think Jeremy Piven does a great job as Ari and I think that the actor that plays Lloyd is definitely um, has some great chemistry with Piven. I think that if you want to do anything besides a movie for Entourage would be to do a show just centered around the Ari character. Um, I, I'm really a huge fan of his, and just some of the shit that he says and the stuff that they write for that character is just so great. So I think that it would be interesting to see that, but they're going to go the movie route like they did with Sex in the City. We'll see how successful it is. The Heat Vision blog announced in some Fright Night casting news that David Tennant, who's in Doctor Who, and Christopher Mintz Plasse from Kick-Ass and Superbad will be joining the remake of Fright Night. Anton Yelchin is going to be playing Charlie, who's, going to be, who's convinced that his new neighbor, uh, Colin Farrell, who will be playing the role made famous by Chris Sarandon, is a vampire. Tony Collette is going to play the teen's mom, is going to play his mother, Tennant is actually going to be scheduled to play Peter Vincent, a character played so great by the always awesome Roddy McDowell. Um, in this version of the film, Peter Vincent is a Las Vegas magician whose show revolves around horror movie imagery and claims to be a vampire expert. When Charlie goes to him for aid, he's less than helpful. Um, Mince Place, or McLovin as I like to call him, is going to be playing Evil Eddie, which I think should be really cool. Uh, he's going to be the friend that feels slighted that Charlie has left his nerdy past behind and ends up joining the Vampire's Coven. I think that with these particular guys in this movie, I see it being actually a decently successful reboot. I really hope that they try to kind of help the reboot stand on its own two feet and don't try and go uh, shot for original Fright Night. The original Fright Night's in a category all its own. It's such a great movie that I think that um, they really should just try and have it stand on its own two feet. And uh, before we go into the rest of the movie news, I see that Slick has his hand raised in the switchboard. Let's see if we can get him back on. Slick, you're on the air. Yeah, man. 
What do you got? I, I really, I really hope that that thing with the the Tomb Raiders uh, is is not true, man. I mean, they they went too far with the first Tomb Raider movie, and you know, with the enhancement of of Angelina Jolie's chest. I mean, the the funny thing about about like Tomb Raider chicks playing Lara Croft is they've always found like skinny chicks that don't fit the bill properly, but you know they they actually look like her. Kim Kardashian looks nothing like like her. She actually her tits are too big. Her ass is way too big. And I know I'm gonna get killed for this, but she's a butterface. I can't well, stand not her face. Well, you know what? Uh, you know, personal personal opinion aside, the role of Lara Croft is very physical. I, the the most physical I've seen King Kardashian be was in the video with Ray J. She look, I don't care how many quick trim posters you put out there or how many quote unquote workout videos you show, she is not athletic. Lara Croft does flips and has guns and does all kinds of crazy shit. She does like mountain climbing and fucking in the Alps and all kinds of crazy shit. That's not Kim Kardashian. I could see Jessica Biel, maybe. She's more of a physical actress. I'd rather see Megan Frost play freaking Lara Croft. Let's put it like that. Well, originally, Lara Croft was scheduled to play it, but, I mean, uh, Lara Croft, uh, Megan Fox was scheduled to play Lara Croft, but she decided not to do it because she felt that the comparisons between her and Angelina Jolie would continue just because of her playing Lara Croft. And quite honestly... I want to be frank and say, what the fuck else does she have to do? You know, like, like yeah, what else are you going to do? You know, what else are you going to do? Movies like Jennifer's Body? All right, you're not doing Transformers. Okay. But Lara Croft would have been a, a, nice, a nice little safe franchise that you can do and make some money. Oh, no. You know, you want to go and, and do, you know, Jonah Hex, which I, which I don't think is going to suck. I actually think it's going to be halfway decent. But you're going to continue to just play supporting roles. You're never going to be allowed to stand on your own two feet because you don't even believe that you have the, the, the chops to be a leading lady. Dude, she doesn't get her roles on her own two feet. Of course not. But, but you get what I'm saying? It's like, why, why is it that she didn't want to do it? What, because of similarities to Angelina Jolie? You, you're, you're mad that you're being compared to someone successful. How the fuck does that work? You're mad to be compared to a good actress? Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. And, and Heartless said a good one, which is he doesn't see the logistics in doing another Tomb Raider movie, and I agree with him 100%. Tomb Raider is something that's become so outdated that unless they do a complete reboot, game-wise and film-wise, no one's really going to give a shit. I mean, the last two games were actually decent, but nobody cares about the movie. The movies were terrible. Yeah, I mean, dude, you had Lara Croft in a cave with no sled being dragged by dogs, and she's conveniently sliding on her perfect boots through, through ice and not tripping on ice rocks or, you know, not breaking any bones. Are you crazy? You can't even water ski barefoot without hurting yourself. Lara Croft, she can do anything. There you go. Well, I, f I figured I wasn't, I, that's why I didn't want to kind of 
blow it and say in the beginning, oh, there's a rumor. I wanted to just kind of slide that in there because I know a lot of you guys are going to be like, what the hell is that about? And it's true. Exactly. Yep. Uh, the possibility of Rosamund Pike playing Emma Frost, that uh, I took a look at her. That, that I can deal with. Well, yeah, I mean, she looks, she looks like her, but I don't know. I think she's a little older, and you're trying to do something based on X-Men first, uh, first Class, and I don't know if they want to actually play on the relationship between Cyclops and her that's been going on in the comics. So I don't know how they want to do that, but I think she's a good actress to play her. I think she'd be a good, uh, a good character for a regular X-Men movie. If you're trying to do young X-Men, she's not that young. <laughs> <laughs> funny thing is, her character in, uh, I think it was Die Another Day or whatever, was named Frost. Right. She was. But oh, let's, let's okay. hope this, let's hope the Kim Kardashian thing falls apart soon. I, re- I really hope, I really hope that that's all bullshit and that it's just speculation because I, I really can't invest more energy into the movie segment, just shitting on her playing this role. Like, there's so much other shit this week that's going to blow your, blow your mind as well as the minds of some of the listeners that, that this is just the icing on the cake. There's so many levels of fuckery that I'm going to be discussing in the next few minutes that you're going to lose your mind. So this, this is just the start. It's going to get better, trust me. All right, man. All right, brother. I'll Thanks for tomorrow, man. All right. All right. Here's a good one. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who you know, of course, as Cobra Commander in the G.I. Joe movie, as well as Inception and 500 Days of Summer, has been rumored to possibly be playing the Riddler in the next Batman movie. Joseph told uh, director Christopher Nolan, apparently, just as a joke, that he would, after Inception, he really would like to do the Riddler in Batman. It got, it got, it was so, it was so discussed just as a joke, but Nolan actually entertained it as a possibility. So there is a rumor that's saying that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is on the short list to play the Riddler. I think that he's a good actor, and he brings that young yet cerebral look to him. I really don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, in terms of, of doing a real-world vibe like they've been doing with the last two Batman movies, um, him playing the Riddler... I see no harm in that. I think that's actually a, a good casting choice. He's not a bad actor, so it, it's something worth noting. I think that him playing the Riddler, especially because I know they're not going to give him some real freaky, hokey-ass costume, I think it could work, man. I think Gordon Levitt, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would be a, a good Riddler, and I think if, if, if that does go down, it would be a great casting choice for sure. Ain't It Cool News reports that the next Die Hard film is going to be titled Die Hard 24-7. Now, you're asking yourself, okay, Die Hard 24-7, good title, what's so special about it? A crazy nugget of information I didn't share with you guys at the beginning of the broadcast is this. Believe it or not, the title came from the fact that there were discussions that they wanted to introduce Jack Bauer from 24 into the next Die Hard film, hence Die Hard 24-7. The project got held up because Kiefer Sutherland, wanted to do a 24 movie as opposed to co-starring with Bruce Willis in a Die Hard film. So they're actually going to keep the title anyway. So imagine that. John McClane and good old Jack Bauer on the same screen blowing shit up. So 
take that into consideration and think of the fact that that almost happened. Jack Bauer and fucking John McClane on the same screen. It's madness, I tell you. Madness. And I see the, uh, the, the looks of horror, well, the texts of horror in the uh, chat. But yes, Ain't It Cool News did report that. So if you want to check that out and follow that story a little closely, head over to Ain't It Cool News and you can see for yourself. In a nice bit of what-the-fuck news, for those of you that saw the MTV Movie Awards this past weekend, you know that Tom Cruise reprised his character of Les Grossman. Um, He did a nice little uh, bunch of cameos in the MTV Movie Awards, and he also did a nice dance number with Jennifer Lopez. Now, the Les Grossman character is actually very funny. He was really cool in Tropic Thunder. But, of course, anything that's cool has to be raped and pillaged by Hollywood. So... Tom Cruise is in talks to bring his Tropic Thunder character, Les Grossman, to the silver screen in his own movie. Paramount announced recently, Cruise is set to produce the film along with Ben Stiller and Stuart Cornfield, who is rumored to be part of the inspiration for the Grossman character. He says, and I quote, Les Grossman's life story is an inspiring tale of the classic human struggle to achieve greatness, greatness against all odds, explained Ben Stiller. He has assured me he plans to, quote, fucking kill the shit out of this movie and make Citizen fucking Kane look like a piece of crap home movie by the time we're done. That's what Tom Cruise allegedly said in Les Grossman character to Ben Stiller. I'm honored to be working with him. Number one, why? Look, the Les Grossman character was funny in Tropic Thunder for three reasons. Number one, he was totally random. He was an overweight, balding Jew executive that danced to rap music. How's that not funny? But it's funny in the context of Tropic Thunder. It was amusing at the MTV Movie Awards. But to make a whole movie about it, that's like doing a movie about the fucking Geico cavemen. Are you crazy? It's funny for five minutes. It's, it's, oh my God. It is a train wreck the fact that they even want to go this route, but it happens. In some other superhero movie news, it seems Jennifer Love Hewitt is pushing to play Wonder Woman in the expected new Wonder Woman movie. Other stars that have been considered are Megan Fox, Eliza Dushku, Sandra Bullock, and Beyonce as Wonder Woman. Are you kidding me? Look, Megan Fox, okay. She's a little skinny, though. Eliza Dushku, better. Sandra Bullock, not bad. She, she could probably do a, you know, a, 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 a pretty good Wonder Woman, and she's a pretty physical actress. Beyonce, you know, I know people want to be different and do different things, but you're taking Wonder Woman who is white. Let, let's talk about that first. Wonder Woman is white. She's Greek, yes. But... Still white. Since I've been a kid and I've seen Wonder Woman, whether it's Linda Carter Wonder Woman, DC Wonder Woman, video game Wonder Woman, it's Wonder Woman. She's white. Or, you know, fair-skinned if you want to get crazy. Beyonce is not Wonder Woman. So if anyone is listening in Hollywood to this show, cross that name off your fucking list. Jennifer Love Hewitt, 
way too dainty and cute to be playing Wonder Woman. You know? She's like a fucking human popple. What, what the fuck can she bring to Wonder Woman? Nothing. She's a popple. She's little. Fucking party of five. Romantic comedies. You're the fucking ghost whisperer. There is nothing intimidating about you. If you wear the Wonder Woman costume, it should be for role play with a significant other behind closed doors. You're not Wonder Woman. Don't push for it, because you will ruin it. Megan Fox, Dushku, and Bullock, I can, I can understand. Cross off Jennifer Love Hewitt and Beyonce. If anyone from Hollywood is listening, I beg you to cross both of those off the list. Both. Please. I'm begging you guys, because this is terrible. Either one of them, just heinous. And last but not least, it wouldn't be a movie segment with some Transformer news. Um, first off, the film's going to be in 3D. No shit, Sherlock. Number two, Michael Bay was quoted as saying the following. I'll take some criticism for the second film. While standing next to a nuclear reactor, he said it was very hard to put the second film together that quickly after the writer's strike. He also added, this film is going to build to the final crescendo. There's not going to be three multiple endings. As a trilogy, it really ends. It could be rebooted again down the road, but I think it has a really killer ending. He said one of the things he didn't like about the second film is the fact that there was too much comedy. He said, one thing that we are going to make sure to get rid of is what I like to call dorky comedy. The street-talking twins are gone. The only character that's going to be kept is John Turturro because he's going to provide some comic relief. According to the report, the film's new villain is going to be Shockwave. Shockwave is going to be the villain who will, of course, gain control of Cybertron after the Autobots and Decepticons left for Earth. Um, the report is also saying that Sam's character is, of course, now going to be a working adult, and he's going to continue to play the role of reluctant Autobot ally. One of Sam's lines is going to be, you know, I've saved the world twice, but I can't get a job. Michael Bay says the movie is going to be more mysterious. It's going to have more of a mystery element. It ties in what we know as history growing up as kids with what really happened. You know, I really think that it's good that Michael Bay got the fucking wake-up call, that jive-talking, jigaboo fucking robots are not going to make a movie successful. Take that as you will, but the twins were stupid. I'm a minority, and if there was a robot that talked Spanish, I would still say it sucked. It's, it's absurd. Oh, my God. Look, he's hip. The robots are hip. They're, they're, you know, working towards being accepted by the newer generation. Fuck the new generation. They don't know shit. The fact is, jive-talking robots was a recipe for disaster. Transformers 2 wasn't the best movie, but the fucking jive-talking robots did not help. They did not. So the fact that he acknowledged that is a step in the right direction, and it gives me a little bit of hope. I can guarantee you a lot of shit is getting blown up, and I really don't mind the inclusion of Shockwave. Shockwave is a really cool character. He is uh, the, 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 the smarmy, opportunistic scumbag. I would compare him to Dudley in Street Fighter, real prim and proper, but has no problem getting his hands dirty and just doing some real underhanded shit. So the inclusion of Shockwave is definitely interesting for sure. Um, with that being said, folks, that actually wraps up the movie news for this week. And it's going to actually wrap up the show. Um, of course, I'd like to give my obligatory plugs to some of the 
past guests and, of course, some of the great people that behind the scenes support My Take Radio, whether it's via Twitter or via other social networking sites or even in person. Um, RazorClothing.tv is the clothing company for Razor Rob McCullough, who was the assistant coach on The Ultimate Fighter. He will be fighting in July. Um, if you're a fan of uh, really cool clothing lines with really unique shirts, definitely head over to RazorClothing.tv. Um, if you're an MMA fan, you can go there and help support Razor Rob, pick up some of those really cool shirts that he has. Um, Austin Creed, um, a.k.a. Consequences Creed from TNA. His website is GoCreedGo.com. You can check him out. He's a gamer, um, comic fan, just all-around cool dude. Go to GoCreedGo.com, G-O-C-R-E-D, well, actually, C-R-E-E-D-Go.com. Max Geiger from The Deadliest Warriors working on an upcoming video game project. That project is going to be, uh, you can check that out at GiantSparrow.com. Dr. Armand Dorian's uh, vitamin water drink with Reservatol, you can check that out at drinkdocs.com. Uh, the Girl Gamer crew, of course, has to get a shout-out, girlgamer.com. They will be joining me for a video game panel post-E3, probably for the July, I mean, the June 24th episode of My Take Radio. They'll be joining me with uh, a representative from the Gaming Angels website, uh, probably Kevin Beard from VGN and possibly one other person. We're going to just break down some of the stuff that happens in E3. Um, we'll, of course, take your calls and just get a couple of different takes and opinions on what people saw at E3 and the potential that it has to either be make or break for their respective companies. Uh, MMAGospel.com, you can catch them on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m., I was actually on their show last night. Um, definitely check them out. Great um, up-and-coming show that has a great up-and-coming brand. They support a lot of, of, of young upstart fighters that are trying to get their foot in the door. They, they have some great guests and just a great presentation from Turk and from Gary. So definitely check them out on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. It's uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Gospel, Or you can head over to their website, which is MMAGospel.com, or click the banner on MyTakeRadio's uh, website in the corner. MMAValor.com, of course, they support My Take Radio. Um, great site. They have a lot of great clothing, and they also deliver some really great MMA news with a really unique take. Uh, I, I feel Josh does a great job with MMAValor.com, so definitely stop by and check that out. MMAHotStuff.com, of course, I have to get a shout-out. Darksiders.com, of course, self-explanatory. Brooks McBeth, you can check him out on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Brooks McBeth. VGNRadio.com and their network of shows, Cleveland Sports Radio, Kevin Beard's Ob Blast, um, 8-Bit Memories with Karate Dog, and, of course, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, which is Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. You can check that out as well, or head over to VGNRadio.com. The crew at BornStubberRadio.com, always working with My Take Radio, whether it's helping to create new designs for business cards or things like that, Definitely Blaine does a great job with Born Stubborn. Go head over to BornStubborn.com and check them out as well. 411.com, well, 411mania.com for all their great news with wrestling, MMA, uh, video games, and movies. Got to support those guys. They do a great job. OCRemix.org, of course, kick-ass intro music every week. Um, Filmdrunk.com, uh, Vince Mancini was a guest on the show a couple of weeks back. A hilarious website. If you love my take on Hollywood movies, definitely stop by FilmDrunk.com. He has no mercy. None. 
And, of course, with that being said, that's going to wrap up My Take Radio episode 46 for Thursday, June 10th, 2010. If you want to email me with any questions or concerns, head over to mytakeradio.com and either fill out the guest link if you'd like to be a guest or email me directly at mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, look for My Take Radio on Twitter. It's My Take Radio. Well, it's at My Take Radio. Or if you want to follow my personal account and just hear the ramblings of a lunatic, uh, look for Akuma25 on Twitter. If you still play around on MySpace, look for My Take Radio on MySpace. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And if you're on Facebook, please continue to do your part to help the My Take Radio army grow. We're at 132 fans right now. I'm more than sure that there are a lot of other gamers out there that would like what My Take Radio offers on a weekly basis. Uh, recommend them the fan page. Tell them to stop by MyTakeRadio.com and check it out. Um, with your support, the show's going to keep growing. Um, like I said, the My Take Radio um, iPhone app is in the works. My Take Radio version 3.0, the website will be launching soon. New forums, merchandise is in the works, uh, probably some stuff with Comic-Con, probably some stuff with the UFC Expo. It's just uh, great times for My Take Radio. I'm really trying to make this thing bigger, and it can only continue to grow with your support and just continuing to get the word out for people to check out the show. So if you're on Facebook, send it to a friend. Let them know that we offer some really funny shit at least. You're bound to laugh at least once a week when you listen to the show, so definitely hit up the Facebook fan page. And with that, folks, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Thank you all for listening. I will catch you guys next Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. I'm out. Have a good night. Peace. Outro music by Epic NES, myspace.com slash Epic NES Band.
Thank you.